0: Can you say something just like to make a quick test for tone?
1: Coronavirus testing, one, two, three.
0: <laughs> That's a new one.
2: <laughs> Bits and pretzels inspire you.
0: You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be.
2: Servus, everyone. I'm Britta Vedling, Editor-in-Chief of Bits and & Pretzels, and I welcome you to the show. Today, I'm talking to Tavit Hinricus, the co-founder of London-headquartered borderless cash company TransferWise, who is a true tech pioneer an investor and business angel. In 2003, Tabit was the first employee at voice-over-IP platform Skype before he decided launching TransferWise in 2011 to provide cheap cross-border transfers. First World War II today, TransferWise is one of the top three European fintechs. Just last week, the company's valuation jumped by more than 40% after a secondary share sale and reached a valuation of $5 billion right now. In this podcast, Tavit explains why he left Skype to become a founder himself and what rules have guided him since. While building TransferWise from a niche into a global platform, now serving 8 million customers, processing around 4 billion in cross-border payments each month across 54 currencies. And Tabit also explains why the current coronavirus crisis, with many startups running out of cash soon, might have some unintended positive effects on the innovation ecosystem after all.
1: There has been a lot of funding available for startups. And by the way, I, I also think there's going to be more funding available in the future even more but that inevitably means that there are companies that raise money that maybe in different times wouldn't have raised and I think it's actually very healthy for some companies to go out of business and then you know talent becomes available people start new companies it's you know it's a natural cycle
2: and we are reaching Tavid in his home in remote London where he's babysitting his kids who as he tells us he has bribed with iPads to be quiet during our recording while his wife is working
0: Hi, Tari. Many thanks for coming on the Brits and Puzzles podcast today.
1: Hi, Britta. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks. And I remember when we first met, it was in Berlin, must be almost 10 years ago, Uh, you just quit your job at Skype after it was acquired by Microsoft and you've just started TransferWise and I think Peter Thiel was at this this event as well, one of your earliest investors, uh, which makes it even more remarkable um, because you don't really hear much from him anymore. Anyways, I liked him, but it's great to have you here today just days after you made your one big announcement, which is that after a secondary share sale, the valuation of your company reaches a valuation of $5 billion which is an increase by 43 which is remarkable, since we are obviously, as you mentioned it earlier, we are obviously in the middle of a crisis. So tell us how you negotiated that deal, and what's important when negotiating in a crisis for other founders in our audience.
1: I think you really kind of the first thing is when we talk about the crisis, and I think we should think about you know is everyone doing well. So you know starting with that, you know I'm glad that everyone at Transferwise uh, is doing is doing well. You know we were lucky that. Uh, our business has been relatively unaffected by the crisis. You know, people and businesses continue to need what we're doing. So we continue making progress. And kind of coincidentally, it happens that uh, we had uh, lots of interest from investors and then this kind of ended up catalyzing in in a secondary share sale. You know, how you negotiate price? You know, I, I know I know only one way to do it. It's called supply and demand. You know, we had people who wanted to buy shares and people who wanted to sell, and uh, price ended up being what it what it was.
0: Right, but it's obviously one of the you know the most important questions people in the startup world ask themselves. We are running into a situation where, at least here in Germany, uh, when we ask our founder communities, everybody's about to run out of cash at the end of this year, September, October. So anything you want to share here on, you know, how to get more investors on board to negotiate new deals that you find would, would think help would be helpful for other founders?
1: Yeah, to be, to be honest, I'm, I'm relatively... Positively surprised at uh, at how well the crisis has uh, has gone for for the startups in general. Mm-hmm. I'm also I'm a quite an active angel investor with a with a large portfolio, and uh, you right. know every every company in my portfolio that has needed to raise money has actually been able to do it even during the, the deep dark moments of the crisis mm-hmm. you know obviously you know, companies need to fundraise at different times of the year but there were quite a few companies who actually had planned to start fundraising first of March the first of april
0: right Just- and these
1: and and you know when the crisis hit, like you know we were mid-march and it actually felt kind of scary because nobody knew what's going to happen but i'm uh, i'm very positively surprised that all of these companies have been able to have been able to fundraise so in that sense i think people who need to go fundraising in the fall i wouldn't worry about that anymore i think the world uh, has completely resumed investors are investing across borders in early and late stage companies mm-hmm. you know for for Transferwise, it's uh, you know we Transferwise did not need some money we were back at the new normal where companies are raising funds like uh Almost like nothing ever happened. I'm, I'm surprised that uh, you know. Initially, I thought that you know maybe early stage will be easy because you know in early stage you the so checks are small and you know people uh, people do that uh, you know based on a couple video calls you know mm-hmm. seed stage and so on. So as, and, I, and I think seed investing continued uh, remotely pretty quickly. But also as we can see from Transferwise, you know you can raise hundreds of millions over over Zoom calls. So I think that the Unless you have a horrible business, I wouldn't really be afraid of the fundraising challenge ahead.
0: So, so would you say the effect of the crisis I overrated? Uh, i
1: no, I'm not. Like, I think we're still we're still gonna see what's the effect of the crisis is long term. But I think the effect on fundraising, like, I think everybody was more scared two months ago, and by now. Like, I think is a sufficient proof out there that fundraising is not mm-hmm. the most difficult part. I mean, it's probably slightly more complicated if you are in a directly impacted area. So if you are
0: mobility, a for travels, example, or travel,
1: a travel right. startup that went from that went to ten percent volume, then it's a little bit more more complicated.
0: Hmm. Do you do you even think that's maybe a consolidation that's kind of helpful or necessary because obviously the crisis cuts into companies deeper with bad business models or bad products?
1: I, I do agree. Uh, you know, I think uh, there has been a lot of funding available for startups. And by the way, I, I also think there's going to be more funding available in the future, even more. Hmm. But that inevitably means that there are companies that raise money that maybe in different times wouldn't have raised and I think it's actually very healthy for some companies to go out of business and then, you know, talent becomes available. People start new companies. It's, you know, it's a natural cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is Are we going to have a big cleaning happening now? I don't know. I think it's early, early to say, like, as, as I said before, I'm I'm positively surprised at how quickly fundraising seems to have moved online. So that doesn't seem to be a big showstopper.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, obviously, m- maybe that even tells us about like the startup ecosystem on a broader spectrum that some companies were even overfunded and that, that there was like too much money in the market. Yeah, you know,
1: I think uh, overall, I have a feeling that often, too often times uh, young, f- young fun- founders uh, put too much emphasis on fundraising okay? and people tend to think that fundraising equals success. Hmm. You know, it's always it to focus more on actually building a, a strong business and to focus less on less on fundraising. You know, we have been profitable now for the past three years and all the fundraising have been purely, purely optional. Yet, you know, there are too many people who only think of, think uh, how, how do we get from one fundraiser to another without thinking about, you know, how do you actually build a strong business?
0: Right. I mean, see. obviously.
1: You know, to build a big business, uh, it's very hard to do that without uh, without having external capital. And, you know, transfer-wise, we launched in 2011, January, and this, I think it was 2017. That was six years later when we became profitable. Right. Uh, but, you know, there are there are many companies who at six years may have no idea about how to how to get profitable.
0: You know, there are many other fintech companies right now in europe obviously fin- like the vertical of fintech is the big winner of this crisis where do you see the market going on a broader spectrum i mean they're like Klana, revolute monso many others how do you look at the fintech landscape from your perspective as somebody who was in this market for 10 years
1: you know i think um, what we are seeing is overall whether it's fintech or not we're seeing. Rapid digitalization and, and especially I think in that sense, uh, the current uh, global pandemic has, uh, has been very helpful to many sectors, you know, whether it's, uh, it's e-commerce where we're seeing many more companies start offering, uh, start turning to e-commerce offerings, whether we're seeing financial services where, you know, Guess what? It turns out that it's very cumbersome to go to a bank branch to do something simple, and mm. as a matter of fact, there is no need to go to a bank branch to do something simple. So I think you know we will continue seeing the basic services being being digitalized, and you know next up we're going to see this happening in in insurance and and even maybe more exciting. As a result of the pandemic, now we might see some things in education or health tech become much more, uh, much more digitally. So I think that's actually all very welcome, and, and we're still at the at the early stage of this in uh, in many cases. And you know, for I think for fintech specifically, uh, you know, I welcome any new company that is building better and more more transparent financial services you know some Mm -hmm. things that we've been uh, we've been talking about since the beginning like the reason we started transferwise was that we were upset at how the banks were giving us a bad product and lying lying to us about it so you know any any new services more transparent is really really welcome.
0: Yeah. From the start uh, of TransferWise, which was like years ago, right now you serve 8 million customers worldwide processing around 4 billion in cross-border payments each month across 2,500 currency routes and 54 currency. So it's a huge growth story. It's a huge amount of growth you have to make as a company and also as a founder. Do you have like any advice for other founders who are, you know, at the edge of, you know, this big growth story? you know, what's important when making this evolution as an entrepreneur?
1: I think, you know, the the most important thing goes back to customers. You know, you do something which makes your customers life valuable. And then you find a way to do this in a sustainable way, which kind of goes back to profitability that we spoke about. And then it's really a question of rinse and repeat. So we, we started, sending money between uh, London and Estonia, then we realized in addition to Estonia, we should send money to Finland and to Latvia. Then we realized people want to send money not only from London, but also from America. So, kind of right. just been been expanding, expanding the offering, offering ever since and continually getting, getting better at doing SIP. Obviously, you, know, you can't do this. You can't do this alone. So, no founder or no no pair of, of co-founders or, or trio or, or quartet of co-founders is ever going right. to be enough. Mm-hmm. So, next up, it's really about building an organization. You know, we've been uh, we've been lucky that uh, today we have two thousand two hundred people. You know, we call them wiser mm-hmm. two thousand two hundred wiser around the world who are helping us uh, move the mission mission forward. And by the way, during the crisis, we've actually not only hired, but we have onboarded 200 new employees to the business, which has been uh, quite interesting doing this. Uh, you know, figuring out how do you do this remotely. You know, right. there are people who uh, people who joined to work for Transferwise in London, but they might still be stuck in uh, in a previous country because they couldn't travel, and they started working for us from their from their bedroom. So. It's been it's been exciting.
0: And and what 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 have you learned personally as as an entrepreneur? You know, back from the start to where you are right now, leading this company.
1: I think it's you know goes back to the basics: do something that the customers want, and hire hire smart people, uh, hire smart people around you. you know, we have a we have quite a specific culture where. We are quite flat as an as an organization, and we're really uh, we're really empowering uh, our our employees to make lots of decisions and take lots of uh, lots of initiative. And I think that's probably something which uh, which also helped us during this crisis. You know, mm-hmm. when we went uh, we went I can't remember when did we go into into remote work. Sometime in in March. You know, when we did that, it was actually relatively smooth because you know we we're we we're used to having flexible working conditions, anyways, right. and we uh, and we moved to working from home, and mm. uh, and this actually uh, was a very smooth transition. You know, we continued shipping shipping from bedrooms uh, during the crisis, and went to uh, you know beginning of the crisis we were two thousand employees, so we went to. 2000, uh, 2,000 offices, uh, very, uh, very smoothly. You know, I think so. a good, uh, a good positive uh, learning was that actually so much more can be done remotely. You know, we think about how much travel we had as a business, I and mean, even you know, I think yeah. about how much how much travel I did for all various reasons, and you mm. know, turns out
0: you a lot really less is possible. It, right? Yeah, you don't really yeah. need to travel Which so s- much. Yeah, that's true.
1: Which I think is really, it's good for the environment. It's probably also good for your personal health. Like I'm pretty much used to traveling, you know, almost every week Mm -hmm. since like 2003. So now since beginning of March, I haven't traveled and actually quite amazing.
0: And you can you have more you can spend more time with your kids at home, for example, right? Like everybody can spend more time with you know family and friends. Uh, these yeah, I mean days.
1: you know for the, the first few months of lockdown, we were in uh, at home in London and uh, didn't meet anyone. And I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with uh, with family, and it was uh, really amazing. Okay. Yeah. and you know you you save a lot of time from commuting, and uh, I think it's. Uh, it's been actually very healthy in, in that sense, and I hope that, you know, once this the whole pandemic is over, which probably is still a long time away, and then we will, you know, we will end up with some kind of new normal, which will hopefully have elements of uh, those old life and, and elements of, uh, of what we learned is possible during uh, the pandemic.
2: Before we go on, here's a brief message from us. We just kicked off ticket sales for our highlight event in the fall, the virtual Bits and Pretzels Networking Week from September 27th to October 2nd. If you want to learn more about our program featuring the top of the league of the international founder NPC community and get your ticket before it's too late and we are sold out, go to bitsandpretzels.com. Again, that's bitsandpretzels.com. Tickets are limited, so better hurry up. Now we move
0: over to our beer garden bench since we are obviously Bits and Pretzels and Bits and Pretzels is uh, at home in in Munich. uh, To get a little more personal, which of course in these times it's a virtual beer garden bench. So you've got to imagine we are in a Bavarian beer garden. We're having a couple of steins in front of us so we can toast to each other. What are we drinking to?
1: Well, I would say cheers to everyone staying safe and healthy. Wherever they are.
0: Cheers, David.
1: Cheers, Britta. So and I'm uh, I'm, obs- I'm upset that uh, I'm I won't be able to come to uh, come to Munich this year for for Oktoberfest. But you know, hopefully next year.
0: But but you will be at the event
1: virtually but only virtually (laughs) only virtually I I think virtual beer drinking is still not as good as real life beer drinking
0: (laughs) I would totally agree so so let's take a step back and talk about how you all got started with TransferWise in 2010 Uh, and what was like you know your decision making behind starting an inspiring new company uh, and to become a founder yourself
1: I think the biggest problem most people have is they say talk about Wanting to do something, you know, whether it's starting a business or something else, but but they typically only talk about it for a long time, you know, and I think and then they kind of get uh, get stuck there and never never get started uh, with a business or or some other change in their life. And the most important decision in that regard is actually leaving the comfortable life behind. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was uh, that was quitting Skype. You know, I realized that. I've had an amazing journey at Skype and, uh, you know, that journey could go on, I think it had been seven years and, you know, it could go on for another seven years. eh? But, you know, after that time, it's going to be even harder to throw yourself uh, into new challenges and into a a very different life. So I realized that while it would be great in Skype, there are so many other things outside, but you're not really going to find these unless you... You step out of the comfort zone and go looking for it. So, right. just quitting, quitting, and realizing that something else will happen is the most important thing. And I kind of figured out that that's the right thing to do for me. Otherwise, I will be I will be stuck in a in a very comfortable life. In you know now it would be called Microsoft. You know back yeah, then we, we didn't be know totally that different yet. Different
0: story, obviously. And everybody's talking about how Skype got you know, worse when it, after it got acquired by Microsoft, but that's a different story, I guess. Um, Skype was like back in the days, uh, it was in, in Estonia. Uh, I've been there. It's, it's a very nice country, um, but it's not like the typical startup bubble, right? It's like a to- it's a different space. Uh, it's, a, it's a different country. Uh, what did you learn there specifically that you could later use for TransferWise?
1: I think you know, there's a big learning from Skype is that you can actually build a global company being uh, being anywhere, and I think that's probably coming even more true now with the pandemic. But you know, we started Skype on the outskirts of Tallinn, and you know, I was I was too young and naive at that time. Uh, you know, we started working on it in 2002. I was I thought that was 2021. 20, so I, I was probably I mean, the
0: word like the first employee at Skype.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. So I was I was a bit too naive to be to be able to grasp at that point what is actually possible. Mm-hmm. But then you know, once we once we made the first uh, the first calls from a computer to computer and uh, you know when we then launched the Skype application in 2003 and you know quickly saw whatever 10,000 downloads you know we had to realize that the internet was maybe 100 million people back then. The mm-hmm. uh, internet was much, much, much smaller than it is today. So, like, wow, wow, 10,000 people are willing to try this. And then I started realizing that, you know, wait a minute, actually we are building something which is changing the way the world communicates. And that's a very powerful experience, seeing firsthand how that's possible. And once you do that, and you know, it, uh, it opens a lot of other doors for you where you realize, wait, you know, this can be done. And, you know, it's kind of the very same things that happened with, uh, with TransferWise. We, mm. we were just upset uh, and disappointed at the way banks were doing this. And we thought there's a better way of doing it. And we started uh, we started very small, but, you know, we saw that people were willing to try this new company that just appeared on the Internet and so were willing to trust this company with, you know, thousands of uh, of dollars of their money. And, you know, the reason they did it was because banks had been providing such a poor service that, you know, these people were frankly desperate for anything that doesn't smell like a bank.
0: I mean, it's still like that. I mean, if you want to make a transaction, I lived in lived five years in, in the States. And if you wanted to make like a transa- transaction, you had to pay Huge amounts of fees. I mean, it's, it's still the case. It's not that anything changed. I mean, at least at you know some of the huge banks in, in the in the US. Um, but I like what I like about this idea that you just pointed out that you can build an international company from every place in the world is something that's a little counterintuitive to, you know, the general narrative of how huge companies are built. Right. I mean, looking at all like many like a lot of founders who would go. To, to Silicon Valley because I think it's a better ecosystem or to another um, w- one of the top tech hotspots so do you think that kind of that that's kind of not the case anymore and that maybe corona even changed that further
1: so I think there's a lot of um, a lot of knowledge and education needed to do this and initially that knowledge and experience only existed in in few select ecosystems, you know, you go you go a long time back, and this was only there was only one crazy place called Silicon Valley where this all existed and happened. You know, then slowly, you know, other ecosystems started uh, emerging. You know, whether it's New York or London or Berlin, uh, and I think, and and then what happened is actually Silicon Valley as an ecosystem became pretty bad. You know, if you mm-hmm. look at it now. Uh, you know, look at the high cost of living. Yeah, it's crazy. You look at the ridiculous salaries, yeah. and you look at the loyalty of people who will change jobs every twelve or eighteen months. So actually, you know, I think it's it's pretty bad to build a business in Silicon Valley today. You know, and I but I do think that ecosystems still matter. But I think the mm-hmm. good thing is that now we have many dozens of ecosystems around the world. And we probably have uh, a virtual ecosystem on the internet. You know, if you look at how much knowledge there is, uh, there is around on the internet. You know, every topic around building a company has been documented in a dozen videos, blog posts, uh, podcasts. You know, there is an infinite amount of wisdom that you can dive into, and uh, and probably. You know, I I don't know what this is yet, but we'll probably have some some better ways of uh, of connecting online to uh, that will replace the kind of what used to happen in person, whether in beer gardens or conferences or or breakfast meetings. And I think we still haven't quite replaced replaced that, but I, was, I think that will probably become better as well. So so I do think it's. Uh, uh, this is a, another flattening of the world, which is really, really helpful uh, today. And it's you know, been... ecosystems still matter, mm-hmm. but I think you know even more can be done remotely. And if if you look at now, how many companies are being started that are only remote workers? Right. You know, I, I, I personally, I think I still believe in magic happening when people meet around one one table in one room but uh, but then again that doesn't need to be five days a week i think there are many other ways of doing it which uh, everyone believes is is very very much okay now
0: so would you say that this is even a new opportunity or like an even bigger opportunity for european founders to create their own ecosystem which is like a sovereign ecosystem not connected to other ecosystems I mean ecosystems are always connected right specifically when it comes to innovation but do you, do you feel that the European ecosystem is on the rise because of that or even more than before it's um, I,
1: I, I don't think I have any basis to say that European ecosystem is winning more from it than other ecosystems in the world I think every every startup ecosystem will win or like there will be more startups created in, in all different in all parts of the world, like you know, we did like we we're running this, we're running this twenty under twenty program on transfer wise and and a, a recent numbers that I remember from uh, discussions around that was that every fourth person in Germany now wants to start a company since the Corona crisis. So mm. you know we're seeing many more young people want to become entrepreneurs anywhere. So I'm not sure Europe is gonna is different in um, is any different in in that sense. You know it's. It's happening globally, but you know, I do think that Europe, in general, is is on the rise. And if you look at the sheer amount of talent we have in Europe, but also if you look at how many how many successful uh, global internet companies we now have in Europe, you know, I think it's it's never been that good in Europe. And that's uh, that's something which makes me really makes me really happy. You know, yes, the US is still ahead, but you know, you, you do have to think, you do have to remind yourself that. Silicon Valley has had a 50 year head start compared to Europe.
2: Right. Absolutely. So I think you know
1: we're doing uh, we're doing the best we've ever done. <laughs>
0: let let's come back to when you first started with this company because many people in our audience are from like early from the earliest have a, has a, have a background in early stage companies so when you first thought about building this business model around reducing fees for international transaction that doesn't really sound like a huge market at first sight um, more like a niche, niche what convinced you at the time that it was a huge opportunity
1: well i would disagree with you i think we knew from the very beginning that it's a uh, it's a huge market. You know there are, or like you know, I can I can say back in the day a uh, stat that I that I used. You know there are hundreds of millions of people who either work, live, or study abroad. So all of these people need a service like Transferwise. So I think we knew from the beginning that that it's a huge market. Like yeah, it's, it might be a niche. Like you know if we look mm-hmm. at. The, you know, if you if look at UK, then maybe it's only 10% of the UK population that needs, uh, that ever makes an international transfer. So yeah, that's niche compared to if you're selling toothpaste, which everyone needs. But if you, but if you think that this is an inherently a global business, then, uh, that's actually, uh, a huge, uh, a huge market, a huge opportunity, and and a huge problem to be solved. You know, there is about two hundred billion dollars in in bank fees, which is being taken for this simple service that you know mm. we'd love to reduce to twenty billion. And you know, also uh, also this is recognized even by the by the UN as one of the sustainable development goals is to increase transparency around remittances. Mm. So you know, we knew from the beginning that it's. Uh, so it's a huge market, and and if anything, it's actually even gotten bigger as we've been on the journey. So, as we have increased our our offering to go from consumers to small to medium businesses, and then now with our borderless product, then I think we've uh, we've we've made a huge market even even bigger. And you know, if if anything, then it's still quite early in the journey for TransferWise if you think about how 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 big the opportunity is and and relatively how little we've achieved in the time
0: right I mean on the other hand it's you know you you were starting a young company um with a business model that kind of was never there before um that you had you know to explain to customers and I guess also to the regulators to the banks uh what what Share some of the learnings that you found important for yourself, for other entrepreneurs who would just get you know started with their company, are thinking about a new product. What's important, you know, to really shape the product and to, to explain it to the customers, to the public. So
1: something that uh, probably I couldn't articulate as well uh, in the beginning, okay? but which is a a common truth inside transferwise now. It is that you need a 10 times better product. It's not enough if you have a product which is just 10% better. Mm-hmm. You need a product which is 10 times better than the alternative. So, you know, we, we typically charge around 10 times less compared to a bank. You know, instead of taking, taking days to complete a transaction, you know, oftentimes your money moves instantaneously. And additionally, it's incredibly transparent. You know, we tell you how much we charge and for what. So, we're easily ten times or an order of magnitude better. And I think that's really the key behind the success we've had and and the growth of the business. And how did we find this out? We found this out by talking to our customers. You know, we. Uh, Initially, we started speaking to everyone who used Transfer, asking them, "Hey, why do you use us?" So has to realize how our customers think about think about this, and that's been uh, that's been also the flywheel for continuing to improve the product. Mm. Just frequently talking to customers, finding out what works, what doesn't. You know, including speaking to customers who, for some reason, don't use Transfer anymore, to find out what was it that uh, that wasn't enough for them.
0: Mm. You stepped down as a CEO. Uh, you you are staying on in a part-time role as a chairman and as a board member. How did this change your perspective within the company, and why did you find this decision had to be made?
1: So it's uh you know transfer-wise today has been ten years in the making, and you know there's going to be many more years ahead. I think it's really kind of a question of figuring out uh, how how long. Do you dedicate yourself to one cause, or or maybe there are other things that you want to have more more freedom to spend time on? So, you know, I'm uh, I now have the possibility to spend time on helping other entrepreneurs. You know, whether I do it by investing as an angel, which I've done in a number of times, or you know, other programs like Transferwise 20 Under 20, where we're finding the best young entrepreneurs around Europe and uh, and putting them on a pedestal and helping some grow their businesses. Or, you know, other other things that I'm engaged with is helping the Estonian uh, educational community. We, we have launched an, uh, a fund for educational initiatives in Estonia, and there's more exciting things uh, coming, in, coming in this area that we can talk about soon. So it's just about being able to, to do more things. Like if you're running a business and it really only lets you focus on this one thing and transfer wise uh, was in a place where I felt that I can I can step back from being the person who spends hundred and ten percent of energy running this company and and I can I can widen my widen my focus a little bit.
0: Just hundred and ten percent, not more <laughs> Everybody. Only 25
1: hours. Okay. Only, tw- only 25 hours a day.
0: Oh, God. Okay. That was great. Coming to our either or game right now. And this is how it works. I give you two words, and you have to choose one and explain your choice in one sentence, real quick. And the first one, obviously, is bits or pretzels?
1: Pretzels, because they're yummier.
0: Nerd or extrovert?
1: Nerd. You're more focused on one thing
0: spending or saving
1: this is a hard one now Uh, well spending because you can spend on new experiences
0: follow or lead
1: you need uh, you need leaders to have followers
0: risk or safety
1: risk because it's more fun
0: stability or change
1: change because everything everything is changing even quicker
0: numbers or ideas
1: you need numbers to, to to figure out that your ideas actually make sense and they're working.
0: Work or fun?
1: I'm going to object to rules now. I'm going to say work because work has to be fun or fun needs to be work. You have to combine <laughs> them into one.
0: Okay, that's fine. Uh, tradition or transition?
1: Transition into something new.
0: Conquer or compromise?
1: Compromise moves forward.
0: David, thank you so much for coming on the Bits & Presses podcast today.
1: Thank you, Britta. It was fantastic. And I'm looking forward to the virtual Oktoberfest.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. See you soon. Bye-bye.
1: See you.
0: Bye.
2: Bye. All right. That was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You find all episodes of this show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Spread the word and please tell at least five friends about us. We would really appreciate it. Don't ever miss breaking startup news from Munich, Austria, and Switzerland again. And learn the latest about what top founders and VCs from the international innovation community we have in store for our event in the fall. Come and visit us at bitsandpretzels.com. Again, that's bitsandpretzels.com. Stay safe and see you next week.